I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. Thanks. I was visiting yeah. farms in, uh, in England and Wales and in uh, Wexford, Ireland. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, at the Wexford farm, Nickery that uh, after the host had taken me through a wonderful day meeting people, artists, and winemakers, um, politicians in the area, and his farm, of course. Mm -hmm. And after a marvelous meal prepared by a couple of young men who were interning with him Mm -hmm. at the time, one from uh, Brittany and the other one from Italy, uh, that he and I, Bill Constantine and I, sat down to... uh, just some calm conversation about the kind of work that we do. Mm-hmm. And he, he made the evening all that much better because there was a small fire going. Mm-hmm. And he served me a glass of warmed whiskey mm. with water, a little bit of brown sugar, and butter. Mm. It was marvelous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I think about this weather and remember that, that occasion... I think, you know, so how do I capture that kind of excellence? Mm -hmm. Well, one, of course, is the location and the company. That's the number one thing. But what about that whiskey? Because Irish people don't mess around with the things that they drink. (laughs) This is serious business. And I thought I I really would want to be able to capture and duplicate that quality Mm -hmm. of, of spirit here. And so... And so the story now moves forward into just two weeks ago. And I was driving around and remembering, excuse me, remembering conversations that I've had with some local farmers here about a local distillery, a spirit maker. A local. In New Richmond. You're kidding. Wisconsin. (laughs) Yes. Now, we've we've all heard about the microbreweries. I mean, that, that now has become something that so many of us seek out because... They just have such marvelous flavors and very local kind of um, qualities. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the businesses themselves are just so much fun to learn about. But a local distillery, hmm. um, a small a local distillery, well, I found out and then went to and visited 45th Parallel Distillery in New Richmond. Hmm. And we have on the line with us the founder and CEO of 45th Parallel, Paul Werney. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Good. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You know, uh, finding a local distillery that uh, is not only focused on high quality, but on local sourcing was about the last thing I had expected to trip over in our neck of the woods here um, in north, northern, northwestern Wisconsin. So let me ask you, Paul. So did you come from the wine or distillery business? Is that what your background was? No, not at all. Uh, 
actually, after graduating from uh, the University of Minnesota, I had a roommate that was a landscape architect, and we started a landscape construction business in the cities. And after a while, I, I left that business, and I was looking for something else. I wanted to do something creative, still be in the creative business, but on a manufacturing level. Mm. And uh, that's when I heard about, that's when I started thinking about this type of industry. What, what made you kind of stop, you know, as you were brainstorming, what shall I do now? What made you stop at distilla, I mean, distillation at, at spirits? Uh, well, before I left my other business, I was looking for a world-class vodka because my, my father-in-law worked for the Greek government, and he wanted, uh, he liked potato vodka, so I was looking for a world-class vodka, and I, I was at a liquor store, and the manager handed me a bottle of vodka from Texas. Well, it had a good reputation. It won a, won a World Spirits competition in San Francisco, and I, I, it, it, had, it had a reputation for being five people and uh, a small distillery. And I thought that would be really interesting to have a manufacturing facility with only a handful of employees that can make a world-class spirit. Mm. And that's when I first started thinking about it. Now, I understand that, that you went to school in, in, uh, in, the, in Minnesota, but you're actually from Milwaukee. I'm originally from Milwaukee, yeah, and, but I grew up in a small town north central Wisconsin called Merrill. Oh, okay, all right. I, I'm sure lots of our listeners might say, "Oh, yeah, I know where that is." Why New Richmond, and and was it hard to get this business started up? When I started doing the research, it was around 2004, 2005. Uh huh. But when we pulled the trigger on it, it was in 2006, and yeah, it was difficult because there were there were very few small distilleries in the country at the time. Minnesota had a $30,000 annual permit fee. Uh, Wisconsin's permit fee is at 1000 Oh, quite a difference. So we started looking at the western Wisconsin, and New Richmond was really the only town that said, come on over. Better for us. <laughs> so you had mentioned that, that there weren't many small distilleries around in the United States at that time. So how did you find out what you needed to do? Uh, it was difficult because there wasn't any material on it. Mm. Well, you have the Internet, so you can research and you can find places that you might be able to get information. So I found a still manufacturer from Germany that was putting on a workshop in New Hampshire. I oh. went out there to learn a little bit about it, and that's where I started getting, gathering information. If you, and then I purchased some equipment from them, and the good thing about that is they were very receptive to my questions. So I had German oh. I was living in Philadelphia at the time. So whenever I had a question, whenever I needed to learn something, I would call him up and he would patiently answer all my questions. You know, it, it makes me think that uh, back to something you and I uh, had just chatted on, touched upon uh, when we had a conversation yesterday, is that at that time when you were doing the research and starting up, wasn't the country really kind of focused on moving all of its grain into ethanol? Yeah, everything was uh, fuel ethanol. So it was very difficult to buy equipment here. Stainless steel was very expensive. We had to buy all our equipment from Germany. Now, what's the first product? So what, was it the vodka? Yes. Uh, vodka is the first product. It was the fastest growing item at that time. Vodka outsold everything else combined. Premium vodkas were on the rise. They were just started coming into the market from Europe. And so we started making premium vodkas in the United States. The good thing about vodka is... You don't have to age it, so you can sell it right away. Just uh, cash flow to it. When we talk about 
45th parallel. We're talking about a place that you can actually walk into and you can, you can visit the distillery, you can see the casks. But a few years after we started up our facility, the Wisconsin changed its laws and it allowed people to come in, have a tasting, take a tour, and maybe have a cocktail and purchase uh, whatever they wanted to. So then we started changing it a little bit. We added a small tasting room. And a lot of people started coming. So weekends, we got very busy. So recently, we doubled the size of the facility, and we added a larger tasting area so we can have larger groups. Like last night, we had the Madison Malt Society. They brought up a busload of people from Madison, 45 people, and they spent uh, about an hour and a half at our facility doing getting a tour and, and having a tasting. You know, that really does speak to the excellence of your products um, because people are traveling from other places to see what it is that you're doing and to taste what it is that you're doing. And certainly that group in Madison is emblematic of some of the prizes that you've won over the years because I'm looking at a list here that begins um, with being, a, being recognized by the Spirit Journal in 2009 for having the best unflavored vodka. And then we go to Minnesota Monthly which made, named you the best of 2011, best local vodka in 2011. Minnesota St. Paul Magazine in 2012 called you the best of the Twin Cities, best local bourbon. You know, something that people usually associate with the South. And in San yeah. Fran the, the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, your vodka won a double gold medal. Yeah, and... Uh 2016, just just about a month ago, and Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine ranked us the best local bourbon again. We're getting known for whiskey. That's what we're becoming. Uh, we started out as a vodka, clear spirits, but then uh, a gentleman that I met at a conference realized that we make vodka from corn, so he said, if you can make vodka from corn, you can make bourbon. So he hired us to make bourbon for them, and that's when we started doing it. Now, 80% of our time, we're making whiskey. And we make a lot of whiskey for other companies now. Uh, so that's, in the industry, that's what we're getting known for. Our goal was always to make world-class spirits. We, we, we want to be the little, or the, the facility that can make world-class spirits. That's been our, our model. Why the focus, though, on local sourcing? It makes sense. It really does. Uh, it's, I can call within 24 hours and get grain. We have a small... Uh, a family farm, sixth-generation farm, just by our facility. I can call up and get grain whenever I need it. The hardest thing about make distilling is getting rid of the grain when you're done with it. Mm. And because of where we're located, is we have cattle farms around us, and we can get rid of our grain right away. Every so, day a farm comes over and picks up grain from our facility. Like a cycle of production, we get it from them, and then within a few days it goes right back to them. How far away is the farm? Eight miles. Initially, we were getting from the mill, but when you get from a mill, it's hard to get a consistent grain for what we do. And so the mill recommended this farm, and he said he had the highest quality, most consistent quality grains. And we were able to convince him to supply us. At first, he didn't really want to supply us. He thought it was going to disrupt his regular business. He's a no-nonsense mm. uh, dairy farmer that has some crops. And But after uh, some pleading, and his son convinced him that it would be a good idea, now we have a very good relationship with him. We're very fortunate to have him as our supplier. I just love to hear about these kinds of stories because it really does help our local economy. It helps us remain a place of, of uh, 
smaller businesses and smaller farms that are able to kind of keep a keep the business is going and the money going circulating in within our own community. Now you, you say you're making whiskey uh, is now the larger proportion of your business. Now rye is a, you make bourbon, but you also make rye. We make a rye whiskey. We make a hundred percent rye with, and we make a whiskey, a wheat whiskey also. So there's four different whiskeys that we make. And you mentioned that you were in Ireland. We just, we're hired to make an Irish-style whiskey. We will start doing that production in 2017. Now, is that something that has to be aged? Yes. Whiskey generally has a minimum aging of two years if you're going to call it a straight whiskey. Most American whiskeys on the shelves are probably aged around four years. Uh, I think a three-year minimum is, if you want it's something that tastes good, mm-hmm. Um you really don't want to release it under three years aging. Okay. Pretty much everything we're releasing right now is four years. Okay, so I'm going to have to mark my calendar for 2020 for my birthday to see if I can get some of this Irish whiskey. <laughs> now, you had mentioned that people came in from Madison. Now, can anyone come in and take a tour? Yes. Um, we have regular scheduled tours on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. But we're operating seven days a week. We, we're mashing and, and distilling every day. So our doors are generally open throughout the week. So if somebody were to come in, we'd give them a tasting and show them around. It wouldn't be a formal tour, but we usually take the time to, to let people see what we're doing and, and give them a little taste. The industry is growing fast. At When we started up, maybe... 40, 50 small distilleries, and now there is about 1,300 distilleries in the whole country. Would these be called micro distilleries, or, or what? how do people tend to th- talk about them? Uh, micro or craft. You usually call them micro distilleries or craft distilleries. We're in the craft spirits industry. All right. Now, when you say craft, how is the way that you make something different from, let's say, a really large distiller? It's not just about size, is it? Isn't it about the process? Yeah, we're we're in a batch situation. We 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 start up every a batch every day, and we finish that batch every day. It's not a continuous system where it runs twenty four seven, and um, we're slower. We we tend to have uh, slow, cool fermentations. Um, uh, a large facility might have a two day fermentation, but our fermentations will last five days. We have for uh, distillation, so we can cut out the, the impurities. A little bit cleaner. A mm. lot of times, uh, large facilities will be really fast distillations, but ours are slow, so we can get out the most volatiles and and cut out the low ends too. Got it. So when you when we say craft, and certainly this this uh, has its analogs in in farming, in sustainable farming, organic farming. Um, both exactly. Dave Corbett and I, we raise 100% grass fed beef, which requires a lot of eyes on. And a lot of a lot more kind of grass management, and so that's what I'm getting from from what you've just said. It's really a lot more eyes on the product um, in order to, I guess, increase the possibility of of high quality. For us, it's 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 attention to detail. If you are pay attention to the details and learn from your your experience in distilling, you can start improving as you go. There's a brewer in Minnesota that 
I became friends with in the industry. And he was wondering why I was in New Richmond, and I told him that the city was good to us as far as uh, helping us with getting the property. And they were easy to deal with. So then he wanted to build a big facility, a bigger brewery. Uh, and Minnesota wouldn't allow him to have a, a brew pub at a brewery at the same time. So he came over to Wisconsin and built a brewery right next door to us. And it's good for us because now we're going to be making that Irish whiskey with him. Ah, all right. Now, don't you also have some sort of uh, arrangement with them about the, your casks, your aging casks? Yes, he buys some of our bourbon barrels, and he ages what he calls the Dark Knight. It is uh, an imperial stout beer, and he wins a lot of awards with that. And uh, the growlers go for a lot of money, but it's worth it. Ah, yeah, and I and I bring them up only because Paul, you've you've got a, a collaboration with them too, in order to keep some of that product uh, developing locally and some of your own equipment and and uh, supplies kind of cycling through the community, which really is so emblematic of of what it is that so many in the let's say reimagined food and spirits industries are trying to do. You know, how do we do this differently? How do we? take advantage of one another's relationships in order to make this happen. So you've got these well-branded and, and um, awarded spirits. Are, is there anything else that, that you see coming down the line? Or do, do, do you experiment with different kinds of, of other alcoholic products? Well, we make aqua beach. That's a, I call it gin for scans. Uh, we make gins. Uh, we make uh, a horse rider vodka for Russians out of St. Paul. And that's really good with uh, Bloody Marys. Uh, we just started making some apple brandies, uh, some European-style uh, Calvados-type brandies. Uh, we had a local supplier of apples come to our facility and ask us if we'd be interested in doing something like this. And I've always wanted to do it, but now that I have a supplier that's local that wanted to sell us some apples. And we started doing that this year. That's going to take a long time. We're talking six months ferments and uh, oak barrels mm-hmm. and then uh, distilling and then aging probably for several years. How can people find out more about you? Do you have a website that they can go to? Yes, it's 45thparallel.com. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.